The Thread is a new hit podcast from Ozzy Media that explores history's surprising connections in order to discover how one thing leads to another. Like how movie moguls in early Hollywood helped spark the Me Too movement today. Get it on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. David, I'm hearing dates of 2024, 2030 of trying to colonize Mars. What's going on here? The corporation SpaceX that Elon Musk started in 2002 is the closest to sending astronauts to Mars. Elon Musk has talked about sending astronauts as soon as 2024. The organization called Mars One, which is a Dutch corporation, talks about establishing a a colony on Mars with astronauts by 2032. Those dates are very, very soon. I think Elon Musk and SpaceX probably could succeed, if not in 2024, then probably soon thereafter. That assumes their next rocket called the BFR for the Big Falcon rocket. The BFR, if it works, will be big enough and powerful enough to get humans to Mars. It will be a bit more powerful than the Saturn V rockets that took astronauts to the moon a generation ago. But that rocket doesn't exist yet. They're supposed to have the first launches of the BFR in 2020. And if they meet their schedule, then they will have a rocket that can get to Mars. They then plan to start using it in 2022 to start sending unmanned payloads to Mars, dropping packages of habitats and food and other supplies on Mars, and follow that up two years later with astronauts. Mars One, the the Dutch group, they have astronauts and they have investors, but they don't actually have rockets. So Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how they're planning to get to Mars, but... They talk about getting there. NASA is also in this competition. NASA talks about sending astronauts to the Mars system in the 2030s. They are not talking about putting astronauts on the actual surface of Mars, and there are reasons for that. The main reason is it's very, very costly in terms of energy to get down to the surface of Mars safely and then to launch back off the surface to come home. At the moment, we don't have rockets that are strong enough, powerful enough to take us to Mars, onto the surface of Mars, back up, and to bring astronauts home. And even if we had the rockets, once you're on the surface of Mars, you actually need fuel for those rockets to launch off the surface. If your listeners have remembered watching rocket launches from Florida, most of what we see in those rockets are giant fuel tanks. Mm-hmm, that's tremendous right. Tremendous amount of energy, tremendous amount of fuel to get off the surface of the Earth. And the same is true on Mars. And if you want to get back off the surface of Mars, you'd either have to take the fuel with you, which we don't know how to do, or you'd have to manufacture the fuel on Mars, which we don't know how to do. So NASA is not yet talking about landing on Mars because NASA couldn't get those astronauts home again. And NASA can't do that because they're using your tax dollars to do that. Elon Musk is talking about sending colonists to the surface of Mars who he believes will be able to survive on the surface of Mars. And if he can get them there, they'd better be able to survive on the surface of Mars because he can't bring them home. Now, are we also talking about the possibility of a one-way trip for an astronaut? At the moment, the only trip to Mars 
to the surface of Mars that is possible is a one-way trip. A NASA trip in which we send astronauts into orbit around Mars but not down to the surface, we could probably bring them home again. But at the moment, nobody, not SpaceX, not Mars One, not NASA, nobody can send someone to the surface of Mars and get them back off the surface and bring them home. So yes, at the moment, Anybody who goes to Mars is contemplating a one-way mission. There are some people who actually would do that, David, and, uh, and gosh, I don't know how they can, mentally. I, I think there are lots and lots of people who would do it for lots of reasons. I'm not one of them. I, I would want to be able to come home again. Yeah, but, I want to see my kids and my grandkids. And But you have kids and grandkids. There are a lot of people who are not that tied to Earth. Maybe they don't have much or any family. Mm. They don't have the deep connections to society that some of us have. And maybe they just want to be famous. They want to be the next Neil Armstrong. They want their names to be in the history books so that they're willing to go and take the risk of going on a one-way journey with their fingers crossed that maybe by the time they get there or maybe after they've lived there for 20, 30, 40 years, we will have developed the technology to bring them back home. Let's, uh, when we take calls next hour, let's see if anybody would take that one-way trip. Uh, I think if they are willing to, they also have to understand that the risk isn't just that it's a one-way trip. The risk is that it might be a suicide mission. That's right. Because at the moment, we can't keep them alive on the surface of Mars. We don't have the food. We don't have the water. We don't have the ability to manufacture the food, despite what Matt Damon was able to do in The Martian, which was uh-huh. a great movie. We don't have the ability to grow potatoes or anything else on Mars right now. Can we even create a habitat uh, like he was living in? At the moment, no. There are a lot of people working on developing habitats that might work. But this, we talked earlier about ultraviolet light getting to the surface of Mars. That ultraviolet light makes the surface of Mars an incredibly dangerous place for living beings like ourselves. X-rays get to the surface of Mars. The amount of radiation that penetrates to the surface of Mars means that at the moment, we would die fairly quickly from radiation poisoning on the surface of Mars. So we need to invent habitats that can protect us from that radiation, and we haven't successfully done that yet. Well, with David Weintraub, his latest book is called Life on Mars. David, you wrote a book called Religions and Extraterrestrial Life. How will we deal with it? Let's talk a little bit about that, too. What are your thoughts on ET life? I think... The bottom line is we have no idea what is or isn't out there. All the ingredients for life as we know it, water, carbon, nitrogen, phosphorus, magnesium, all the building blocks of life exist pretty much everywhere in the universe. The same stuff exists on any other planet in the universe as exists on the Earth. So life could come into existence somewhere else but we don't have any answers. One of the things that got me interested in the question and in writing that book was that over the last 20 years, astronomers have become very good at discovering planets around other stars, what we call exoplanets. And we now know of thousands of these planets around other stars. The next step for astronomers, now that we've found these planets, is to study the light coming from those planets. And if you imagine for a moment that you could take a telescope from the other side of the Milky Way galaxy, you live on a planet 100,000 light years from the Earth, 
And if you could discover that the sun has a planet, the Earth orbiting it, and you could use your telescope to study the light from the Earth, you would know that life exists on the Earth because you would see in the Earth's atmosphere the signatures of oxygen and ozone Mm -hmm. and methane, and all of those things come from biology. So you would not have to journey across the galaxy. You would have to not have to get into a spaceship and travel to the Earth. You could simply use your telescope and look across hundreds of thousands of light years and be absolutely certain that life exists on the Earth. So having discovered these other planets, the next step for astronomers is to do exactly that, to train our telescopes on those exoplanets, study the light from those exoplanets, and see if any of them show signs of biology. What we are doing right now is we are changing the question, is there life in the universe, from one of pure speculation into a scientific question, which in the next century we might actually answer. That's incredibly How, how far, David, could you be out with a telescope, a huge one, to see the city lights, let's say, from New York off of planet Earth? That's a great question. I don't have an answer to that question. I think you could see the the lights from the Earth, the unnatural lights from the Earth, with a telescope, probably anywhere in the Milky Way galaxy, but quite honestly, I'm just guessing at that. You would know that the side of the Earth that faces away from the sun, the nighttime side of the Earth, should be dark. Mm -hmm. The only light emitted from that side of the Earth should be heat that the atmosphere and the rocks have absorbed from the sun and then are radiating back into space, infrared light. And you would see from the Earth a tremendous amount of visible light that could not be the result of the natural heat from the Earth. And I think you'd be able to detect that from fairly great distances, almost certainly from anywhere in the Milky Way galaxy, with the current large telescopes that we own. Well, then you'd have to conclude that there's some artificial light on that planet there, that third planet from the sun, and somebody built it. Indeed, you would almost certainly draw that conclusion. That's exciting. And maybe one day we'll find that on other planets here. I I think in the lifetimes of your children and grandchildren, astronomers will have studied the light from hundreds of thousands, possibly even millions of other planets around other stars. And if from all those other planets, we don't see signs of light that is unnatural, we don't see signs of gases in the atmosphere that could only come from biology, then we will draw the conclusion that our galaxy is a fairly lonely place, at least for intelligent life. But we also may discover on one or more than one of those other planets some of these signatures that tell us life is out there. Again, we have no idea right now, but we are on the cusp of making the measurements that will give us some of these answers. We've had a lot of guests on the program, David, over the years who, of course, believe that we've been, life here has been seeded by extraterrestrial life, that they visited us. Uh, B, regardless of where people stand on that, I think to, to, to think that this universe is not teeming with some kind of intelligent life uh, is a mistake. There's probably billions of planets that support intelligent life out there. There are certainly billions of planets that could support intelligent life. As a scientist, 
I take the approach of knowing that we don't know the answer. That yes, almost certainly there are plenty of places where if you took life as we know it and put it there, it could survive. But at the moment, we simply don't have any evidence one way or the other that it's out there. But certainly there are plenty of places where it could exist. And if life naturally develops simply when you have the right environment, when you have liquid water, when you have a heat source, when you have the right chemical components, then life is probably abundant in the universe. Of, of course, and with the Frank Drake equation where you know he theorizes that the probability of life out there is astronomical, uh, I, I think it's there. I think it's there. And I, I look forward to learning whether you're right or not. Yeah. And I can't challenge you and say you're wrong because I simply have no idea. But I agree with you completely that the potential for life is huge beyond the earth. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.